it. Welcome, welcome, Redeemer Life. There's people at the coffee line at the back. Um, can you bring some coffee here also? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think I can drink coffee while I'm preaching. Um, I see some new faces. Welcome, welcome to Redeemer Life. Um, there is some birthdays today as well. You can wish them later on because sometimes people get a little nervous about singing birthday songs here. Um, and um, Shah was talking about some Green Bay Packers fans. I think that's a good thing, you know. I mean, Chicago Bears, whoever knows, when will they listen, win the next one? I think it'll be 10 years from now. What do you think? 10 years? I don't know. We, Chicago people are really nice. They, um, they love teams that lose. <laughs> you know, um, um, there's the Cubs, it's 100 years, and then in 100 years' time, they'll win again. And um, Have you been following the World Series? It's been um, quite amazing, actually. Quite amazing to see... Um, New people come to the fore and um, just enjoy that game of baseball. Um, yesterday, um, uh, both uh, Dennis and I, we, we sat uh, at Barnes & Noble and it was quite amazing to sit right up front. I don't know what to expect because, you know, Barnes & Noble is the host. You've got to go, go with whatever they choose and they were uh, featuring... Um, the book I wrote um, last year, Marys of the Bible, and um, I find that to be quite, a, quite, an, um, quite an important time for us to engage with the community. And so lots of people came up. We had an opportunity to talk to them, uh, give them the gospel, um, uh, talk about what is the significance of uh, Jesus bringing about healing to to all these women who are called Marys. And um, um, so our job was to, to give the gospel. And of course, Barnes & Noble got all the money because then they sold books. And, you know, we were signing books there and they were selling the books. And, um, but but our, our business is not to, to get money. It's not profit. It's to is to give the gospel, and I would encourage us to do more of that. I think what, what, what I'm going to try to do is to see if we can get in touch with Barbara's bookstore also in the neighborhood and see if we can go there, have a presence. We need to be in marketplaces. I think that is so very crucial to, um, to do that. I know, Richard, you've been doing that quite a lot, and, and we all need to be... Uh, out and about in the marketplace. Um, because if you really believe that Jesus is the answer, why are we keeping this to ourselves? We need to go and tell people uh, that, you know, Jesus can bring about healing to Marys of the world. This coming week, of course, is going to be this time that's um, called Halloween. What do you think about it? What is your, you know, we're we, we celebrating Superhero Sunday, and, and it was, it's so nice to see our young people dressed up in all kinds of superhero uh, dresses um, um, and um, 
clothing and, you know, um, have fun together. Uh, what, is, what do you think about Halloween? Do you, do you get all about it? What is, what's your sense? What do you, what do you think? No good, no good. Okay, you said no good, Halloween. Halloween, no good. Hello, Halloween. No good. What else? Some other words? Sorry? All saints. All saints celebration. All saints. All saints. All saints remembering loved ones, remembering. What else? Sorry? Oh, it's a pagan holiday. Pagan holiday. Pagan holiday. Pagan holiday. Okay? Holiday, you know, comes from holy day, so it's kind of a contradiction in terms. Right? What else? What do you think? This thing. Go ahead. Sorry? Oh, candy. Candy. Trick or treat. Yesterday when Dennis and I were sitting there, there were lots of kids that came. And it was so sweet to see them. Candy, candy, bad teeth. More business for our dentists. Where are our dentists? More business, right? So have Halloween every day. No? Okay. Uh, what else? On the base? Oh, remembering the Reformation. Remembering... Reformation, Reformation. So, of course, we have all kinds of ideas about, you know, what is this, what is this Halloween thing all about? In, in many senses, actually, the idea behind this is our theme of having a super runner. Um, since, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of Super runners all the way from Adam to Abel to Abraham to Noah to uh, Moses to David. Those are all the super runners and, and the idea of hallow tide. Hallow tide is the time of remembrance of all that. So of course we have lost sight of all that and Halloween has become this you know, horrible thing where you don't remember what is heilig about it, what is holy about it, what is, um, what's, what's the time of remembrance. So, so I like the idea of reformation there. Uh, did they eat candy? I don't know. You know, some of those images that I see, maybe they ate a lot of candy. I don't know. Um, but is it, is it, has it taken on a different um, um, track uh, I think it has. Those uh, original ideas of, uh, of Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 is kind of lost. What do we learn from Abraham? What do we learn from Abel? What do we learn from David? What do we learn from people that have gone on by? Billy Graham in more recent times and, and, and people uh, like Eugene Peterson. What can we learn from their, their lives? Uh, our, our ancestors, and that's one of the ideas that we need to learn from Asian society. What do we learn from our parents? What do we learn from our grandparents? Uh, how do we carry on the tradition of, of the prayers of 
Korean mothers that got up early in the morning at 4 o'clock and spent time in prayer. Those are the kinds of things that Halloween, which is of course the evening before the Hallowtide Day, so it begins in the evening. You remember what, 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 what these heroes of the Bibles did, of the Bible did, and our ancestors did, and you seek to emulate that. That's what the old idea of um, the three days, October 31st, 1st of November, and 2nd of November was supposed to be. But of course, it's become very pagan. Whoever knows what Christmas is all about, you know? Uh, whoever knows what these three days is all about. And hopefully we are able to share some of that uh, when those kids come in for candy. You know, at Barnes & Noble, I, I, I saw that. They didn't have candy. You know what they have? They had these bookmarks of Barnes & Noble that they were giving to the kids. And the kids were, of course, saying, thank you, because the parents were saying, say, thank you. And so they're looking at this and saying, what, no candy, bookmarks? Well, maybe we could have something that's an alternative there. Give a scripture verse or something like that, you know. Of course, give a candy also. I think that's, that's not too bad because that provides business for our, for our dentists. So um, it's important for us to be involved in culture. And that's one of the things that we would want to learn as we go into our text for today. So would you uh, arise with me and let's see how does Abraham, our superhero, enable us to be someone who is a superhero for our era. So this comes from Genesis chapter 18, and we are just reading the first eight verses. You'll notice that uh, I am not going to uh, focus today on verses, um, uh, on chapters um, uh, 16 and 17 um, uh, for Superhero Sunday. I decided for us to go with Genesis 18. So together, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat. So you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them while they ate. He stood near under, the, under a tree. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Our Lord, our God, as we seek to run this, 
this race that is marked out before us, looking to Jesus, the great starter and finisher of our race. And as we, as we seek to reflect on, on the people who have gone on before us, down through history, all the way to Adam and Eve and Abel and, and Abraham and Noah and Lord, all these amazing forerunners enable us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the great, great runner. During this weekend, as we think of all hollow tide, all hallow tide, all Halloween, oh Lord, enable us to absorb the holiness of Jesus and to run this race that is marked out for us. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Do be seated. Before I forget, you know, I, I should probably um, um, underline the last part of this passage. It, it's kind of a dilemma for, um, for Jewish rabbis. Because if you are familiar with, um, with, with, with uh, Orthodox Jewish culture, you will know that in Orthodox Jewish culture, um, uh, people have two different kinds of, two different refrigerators, two different set of dishes, because you don't mix meat and, um, and dairy. Um, if you go into a Jewish home and you're helping out in the kitchen, if you mix the, the utensils of dairy with meat, you're in big time trouble. I, I've had, I've had, I've had that, that experience. Um, so this is a dilemma here, right? What's a dilemma? Here is the great patriarch. His name is Abraham. What does he do? He goes and he slaughters the fatted calf. And then he also brings in curds and milk. And so the big question is, well, how did Abraham do that? And so, you know, I have read lots and lots of material in the Talmud where it goes into about 50 pages of dialogue about what happened here. Can you imagine? You know, we would say, oh, yes, yogurt and curds and milk and, you know, um, um, that... that, uh, that um, Hamburger, which has got um, uh, cheese in it, is fine, but not for Jewish people. So they would go through a lot of dialogue there. And then there's things like, well, there was actually two hours between, you know, first Abraham offered meat, and then he said, all right, here's yogurt, but there was a two-hour gap. And some will say, no, there was a five-hour gap. So then the whole question is, you know, should you wait for two hours? Should you wait for five hours? I think things like that miss the whole point of what is going on here. Isn't it? Don't you think so? And we'll probably go into that discussion at another time. But I want us to focus attention on this superhero runner called Abraham from this text. And see what are the lessons we can draw. And, and what I'm going to very quickly draw out is what I call seven super characteristics of super Abra superhero Abraham runner. And probably I'll come up with another S word there. Don't ask me why do we do things like that. 
but let's stick with the S's. Do we have the S's? We probably have the S's somewhere. Seven super characteristics of superhero Abraham. Um, what are these? Let, let's begin with, with the context here. The, t- the context of Genesis chapter 18 and 19 actually go together. They're bound together. So you remember what happened in Genesis chapter 19, right? There, there is a, there's a very horrible situation and, and God comes down because God wants to issue justice and judgment on a city that's called Sodom and Gomorrah. There are horrible things going on there. And God knew that he had to do something about it. And that's essentially found in in Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 20. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to request you to turn to that. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 20. So it says here, and and perhaps I can begin reading at verse 17. Verse 17. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. For I've chosen him so that he may command his children, that he may command his children and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord by doing justice and justice. There's two different words for justice. So that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken. Then the Lord said, says verse 20, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous. That that is the context of Genesis chapter 18 and Genesis chapter 17, and Genesis chapter 19. I want us to keep that in mind. Now, it says here the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, that's what it is in the New International Version. I would translate that Hebrew uh, sentence, and specifically the Hebrew phrase there, a little differently. I would not say the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, I would Talk about the cries of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. That makes a difference, right? It is the cries of the people that God heard. And God comes down hearing those cries of the people who've been unjustly treated. And there's all kinds of horrible things that are happening in these major civilizations and city-states that are called Sodom and Gomorrah that God is seeking to address. And so keeping that in mind, I want us to go go back to chapter 18 and go back to chapter 17, where God is preparing a person called called Abraham for, for the things that he wants Abraham to do. Chapter 17, we'll probably go back to it at another time, maybe in the next couple of Sundays, is the place where God makes a covenant with Abraham to prepare him for what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. So you see the context here? 
He wants to prepare him, and he looks at Abraham, and he makes a covenant with Abraham. And the covenant that's made with Abraham, it's a very interesting um, aspect which we miss in, in, in modern society, and especially in the Christian church. I think we miss quite a lot of that. But chapter 17, God comes to Abraham and says, I want to make a covenant with you, and this will be the sign of the covenant. What will it be? Your circumcision. So what is circumcision? We say, well, we don't care about circumcision. That's for those people, those Jewish people of the old times. And then we forget that it is intrinsically related to the idea that we were trying to communicate at Barnes and Noble in what is happening with the Me Too movement. What are the issues that the Me Too movement is trying to bring before us? Well, essentially, that's what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you come to Genesis chapter 17, and God makes a covenant, and he says, Abraham, you want to address the issues of Sodom and Gomorrah? The solution is your circumcision, and the circumcision of all the people around you. So you all are adults here, right? Is that okay? God said to Abraham, in some senses, you're going to destroy your virility, your identity, so that you remember that you are dependent on me. And whenever you're inclined to do horrible things to other people, and especially women, you've got to remember that. This will be the sign so that whenever you change your clothes, you come to realize that you are dependent on me and your virility is nothing. Don't you dare do horrible things to others. Do you see the nature of how the Bible is put together here? That is the biblical answer to the Me Too movement. And then what does Abraham do? You come to the beginning of Genesis chapter 18. Abraham is sitting under, in English it says, the oaks of Mamre. Oaks of Mamre. So what's the oaks of Mamre? Again, something we will miss completely because, you know, it's, it's, we're so far removed from history, we're so far removed from times, that things that were clear to the original readers of, of the Torah during Moses' time are not very clear to us. These were places where horrible things used to happen. Temples were constructed just like the temples in Sodom and Gomorrah, to do horrible things to other people, so were things like the terebinths of Mamre. And Abraham was there, and he was waiting, and he was praying, and he was waiting. He wasn't just sitting, as it seems in the English language. He was there asking for God's solution to the issues that he was seeing around with them. And, 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 and the principle that I draw from here is the realization that when you and I see horrible things happen, what, what is our solution? So, you know, very recently, of course, we've been hearing news about all kinds of things happening in the world, right? Like 
three, four, five days ago, uh, there was this lorry uh, that was uh, found in one of the ports of the UK. Uh, lorry is a semi-truck where, as when they opened, they found 39 bodies of people from Vietnam and from China. They don't even know where these people came from. But why are they lying dead in this lorry? Who are these people that picked them up? Because they have a multi-billion dollar industry called human trafficking? How do we engage with those kinds of issues? How do we engage with the issues that are going on on the west side of Chicago? In Chinatown, I wish we would go there. You know, we live in this world called Vernon Hills and Libertyville where we are kind of so far away from this world where horrible things are happening. I wish we would go there and see stuff that's happening in Chinatown and see stuff that's happening on Devon Street and see stuff that's happening on the west side of Chicago, on the south side of Chicago. Those are the things that superhero people keep in mind. And what do they do? They go to those very places, the terror brings off Mamre, and say, God, this is your tree. I'm not going to let bad people take control of this tree. Will he do something about it? That's what it takes to become a superhero, to spend time under the oaks of Mamre. And as the narrative goes, he is there, and as he is sitting there, and as he is spending time in prayer, it says he sees three men, right? So what's so great about three men? I mean, we see three men all the time, right? Uh, there's three people here that are coming towards him. And uh, the, the text says he looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance to his tent to meet them. And he bowed low. And the word that's used there to bow low to the ground is the very idea that he understands that this is God. These are no ordinary human beings this is God himself. Now, there's a couple of things that I should pr uh, probably say about this. One is the realization that God appears. I think I probably used this, uh, this uh, uh, narrated this story before to you uh, when I was um, delivering um, a couple of lectures at, at, at Toronto University Law School where, you know, I went in there and, and, and this place was full of rabbis, Jewish rabbis from Toronto area, Orthodox rabbis. And one of them, the head rabbi, got up at the end of the lecture because there is a time of Q&A and asked me, you know, how is it? You seem to be an intelligent person. And I said, oh my goodness, now, now there's the question coming. You know, whenever a person says you seem to be an intelligent person, you've got to kind of say, uh, now my intelligence is going to really come out. And so... That person said, how can you believe that the, the awesome, eternal one, Yahweh, the amazing God, could ever become a man? And I said to him, you believe in the Torah, right? This is an Orthodox rabbi. And I said, 
Let's open up. You open up your Torah. I'll open up my Torah. You explain to me Genesis chapter 18. Is this three men or is this God? Who did Abraham bow down before? Why does he call him, these three people, as him? And why does he call these three people as him with the four letters of God's name? Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, which is the unmentionable tetragrammaton. It's called in theological language. Why does he call this person these three people, God. Who is it that Jacob was wrestling with in Genesis chapter 32? Was it a man or was it God? Why does the Bible call this man God? Why is it that the angel of the Lord, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in Exodus chapter 2 and chapter 3, that angel of the Lord is called Lord? Right through the Bible you find God revealing himself. And so here you find three men appearing to Abraham. And Abraham welcomed strangers unbeknownst to him that this is God. I think that's so powerful, right? And so another principle that I'd like to draw from this is the whole idea of reaching out to strangers. You never know. So go with Gina. Let's go to those homes of the Iraqis, of the Afghans. Maybe we will truly encounter God as we are praying together with them. So many times our idea of God is just so puny because we don't seek those encounter moments with strangers, with aliens, with immigrants. But here's Abraham. It's so powerful. He goes there and he bows down. In Hebrew, the word for bowing down, it's such a powerful word for worship. Now, you know, often I'm, I am critical about Western um, society, but, but that's, that's the nature of global Christianity. We need to learn from each other. And what I try to bring is a very Eastern perspective. So let me give you an example. My wife and I, we, we came here with two little girls. We went to this August place called Trinity International University. It wasn't called Trinity International University. At that point, it was called... Um, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. So we went there and um, we were picked up by this international student after 24 hours on the plane. This person lost his way and so for another two hours we were roaming around the highways of, uh, of, uh, of Chicago and then we landed at, at Trinity and and in a couple of days' time, there was this very nice couple that were right next to us in the apartments where we were. And this was a Japanese couple by the name of Joshua and Eko Tsatada. I think that was the name. I'm forgetting now. But So they took us to this amazing church in Libertyville and said, 
all right, let's go to church. And so we went to church, and there were these nice people worshiping God, and, you know, there was uh, nice-looking women that were singing, nice-looking guys that were playing the guitar and, and the drums and all that. There's amazing worship. And then this nice person came up with his suit and tie, and then he said, now let's open up to hymn number 305, and let's sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. So everyone got up, and they sang, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, and you know, you know the song, right? And then, and then there was this nice couple sitting in front of us, and somehow, I don't know what happened to the guy, he wanted to be really holy with his girlfriend, so he became really holy with his girlfriend, and they really became lovey-dovey and really holy, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this Joshua Satara sitting next to me, standing next to me, and you know, we're all looking at each other, and we're saying, well, we're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But you get the idea, right? What is worship? Worship in the Bible is not just singing amazing songs. Worship is falling prostrate because we are in front of a holy God. And sometimes we can learn that sort of stuff by other people. So when I take my students to the mosque, for example, you find them falling prostrate. And I said, do you know we should be doing that? Worship is not just lifting up our hands and lying down, you know, uh, sitting down or whatever. It's, it's going into the presence of God and saying, Lord, I am nothing. I fall down before you because by your grace, I am who I am. But I want to fall down before you. That's worship. And then look at Abraham. He offers such amazing hospitality. He goes and he washes their feet. He goes and he serves them food. And he gets Sarah involved. It's so powerful, isn't it? Hospitality is so important. There is, an, there is a very good um, pastor by the name of Francis Chan. He is one of Shah's favorite people. Who, who, who was the pastor of a mega church, 6,000 people. He came to a point where he said, this is not worship. And he just upped and left. Church of 6,000 people can happen without me, he said. And he went to India. And he went to China. And he went to Vietnam. And he said, Will you teach me about worship? And they taught him about worship. Because worship is not all about what we've made it out to be. Worship is to fall prostrate in front of a holy God who is holy. And this God promises stuff. And he promised to Abraham and to Sarah and of course they laughed. And they said, oh, ho, ho, I'm 100 years old. You think I'm going to have a child now? My wife is 90 years old. Do you think we're going to have a child now? Ha, 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 ha. And he's rubbing his tummy and laughing away. With well, these different kinds of laughter, right? One laughter can be a laughter of scorn. You can either laugh with people. You can laugh alongside people or you can laugh against people and at people. 
Unfortunately, comedy in our society has become the later part. Especially all these, you know, if you've heard some Indian American comedians, Asian American comedians, you cannot use those jokes because those jokes can only be used by them. Someone else uses those jokes, you can get into big time trouble because you're laughing at people. But here God says, come laugh along with me. That's okay. You're going to have a child. When are you going to have a child? You're going to have a child just at the right time. And I call that God time. That word is used at least in two, two, uh, on two occasions, used on, in uh, Genesis chapter 18 and verse 15, and then later on in verse 21. I call it God time, at the right time. Moed and Ed are times when God breaks through and he answers prayers. That's what happened when Jesus came down to earth. This was God time. And yes, we have prayers. But when we come before God, you've got to say, Lord, what is your time? Because I know that when you break through, things will happen. 100 years old, 90 years old, it doesn't matter. But God breaks through. And so God broke through. There's two more principles that I want to draw from there. One is God says, can I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? That is so powerful, isn't it? Must I hide from Abraham? This is my bosom buddy. He's given up so much. And I know he is faithful to me. He is truly a superhero. My sense is that maybe we should pray, Lord, will you be able to say that about me? Must I hide from Boaz, Shah, Sean, Dennis, Gina, Selena, from all these people, what I'm going to do? Do you think God will say that of us? And then one more principle. When Abraham gets to know, do you know what his response was? It wasn't, oh, those people of Sodom and Gomorrah. They are horrible people. They do horrible stuff. They must die. They must burn in flames and in ashes. Let them go to hell. That wasn't his response. His response was, Oh Lord, if there are 50 people, will you preserve them? All right, not 50. How about 40, Lord? How about 40? Please, Lord, 
How about 30, Lord? How about 30? How about 20, Lord? How about 20? How about 10, Lord? Lord, save. Lord, rescue. Because superheroes are people who are intercessors. Superheroes are not people who want destruction. And that's one of the reasons why when I walk into the lawn there outside my house, I see all those graves. It's so horrible, right? And I'm there walking with my grandchildren. And I'll say, no, life is not about graves. Life is about resurrection. And we want the resurrection of society around us. And may the grace of God come upon Chicago, the south side of Chicago, Chinatown, Devon, here, Vernon Hills, and Libertyville. We should be intercessors like Abraham. Because he was just like Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But it begins with being willing to be stripped off all that we are. That's what circumcision is all about. Waiting under the terebinths of Mamre. Not let people take control of it because this is God's world. It goes on with being hospitable to people. Strangers, aliens, and saying, I want to find God with you. Will you let me do that? Finding God. And then grabbing hold of God's promises and saying, Lord, at the right time, God time, you will respond. I will wait for that time. Until that comes, let us pray and pray. Learn from your grandma who prayed and prayed and prayed. We have forgotten that because she was like Abraham and we need to be like her.